Well, this morning we're going to be finishing up our series on religion versus faith. And we've been talking about some of these issues for the last couple of weeks, the struggle with religion, the struggle with having good faith in our lives. Today we're going to be talking more about faith. We're going to be looking at Galatians 5. Here's our strategy. The first week we talked about the danger of religion. And we talked about how religion can be a danger to us because it can set us up to want and to know God, but it may actually keep us from God. And we looked at the woes of Jesus in Matthew 23, and Jesus tells his, the religious leaders of the time, his own religion, by the way, the religious leaders of his own religion, woe to you. You know, you've really messed it up here because God is about uh, people knowing God and having a relationship with him, and yet you are keeping people by your rules, by your religion, you're keeping people away from God. And so one of the biggest dangers of religion is that, ironically, religion will lead people further away from God than knowing God. If we read the Bible, oh, and I read this great passage when I was doing my own personal reading. You know, Jesus, when he's talking to the Pharisees right after Matthew 23, He criticized the Pharisees, but why does he criticize the Pharisees? He says, because they don't read the Bible and they don't understand it. They would pull things out of the Bible, but they don't read it. And our own church, our own church, BBC, we also are guilty of that because many of us struggle to read the Bible. We don't read the Bible very often. And so we have no idea what it is that God is trying to communicate to us. The danger of religion. So that's what we talked about the first week. The second week, we talked about this issue. We talked about the issue of, we talked some more woes of Jesus, which was identifying bad religion. And when we look at bad religion, we talked about some identifying marks. Well, some of the identifying marks is bad religion likes to be wealthy. Bad religion likes to have comfort. You know, the religious leaders, they like to be comfortable. Bad religion likes to make everybody go through their system. No exceptions. You have to do it this way, this way, this way, because I'm the religious leader and I wear the fancy hat and I'm telling you what to do. Bad religion, when we identify bad religion, bad religion doesn't actually ever, as we're going to talk about a little bit this morning, this morning, it doesn't actually solve anyone's problems. You're just kind of going through the motions over and over and over again, and you never really get anywhere. So last week, we talked about moving from religion to faith. And some of you thought, okay, now that we're going to transfer to faith, the antidote to bad religion is what? Faith. But actually, Jesus doesn't say that that's the antidote. Of course, we know that if you just have faith and you have faith in Christ, and that's the basis for your life, that that, of course, will move you away from bad religion. But Jesus actually says that the antidote, if you, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but the antidote to bad religion is love. And not just any kind of hippie, trippy, San Francisco type of love, but love of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who created the world, the God whose son is Jesus, loving God and then loving other people. Why is love, biblical love, the antidote to bad religion? Well... Because if you love God, you won't want to see other people trapped in bad religion. If you love God, it will free you. When you have real love in your hearts, it frees you to not be trapped by ritual and by rules and regulations. When you have love in your heart for other people, it's really, really hard to then turn around and try to force feed them into some system that some guy created. But the opposite is even more apparent as we talked about last week. Why do people stay in bad religion? This is one of the things in life groups you guys have been asking me all week. Because we all know people stay in bad religions. Let's talk about it. Why do people stay in bad religions? Number one, I've been a 
whatever. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been a flying spaghetti monster follower. I've been a Scientologist all my life, and I'm going to die a Scientologist, right? People say that. So the comfort of feeling like this is where you belong sometimes will keep people in bad religion. But one of the things that I think is often overlooked, and I've been stressing this in our life groups, is that power is oftentimes a factor in staying in a religion. Why? Because when you stay in a bad religion, you can work your way up. Did you notice that? You can work your way up the system. In a biblical church, there should be no system for you to work your way up. We should all be equal. Me should be, all of us should be equal. I'm no better than any of you. We should all be equal, partnering together, working towards seeing God do something in our communities. But religion is a system where you climb the ladder. And you become known in your community because you're the elder of this or you're the whatever of that. And yet, when we move from religion to faith, our love for other people becomes so much that we don't want to put titles and have a ladder, I'm bigger than you, sort of approach to life. Hey, have you guys ever been to, uh, anybody ever been on the East Coast or you've been in, in maybe in parts of Europe and you've been into old churches? What do they do in old churches with the pulpit? Have you guys ever seen it? This is crazy if you've ever seen it. The cathedral-like ones, the Protestant cathedral-like ones, where do they put the pulpit? Has anybody ever seen it? They sus- right, they suspend it from the ceiling and it's hanging over the congregation. So you have to walk up the staircase to be in it. Selena's saying no, no, right. But that's, that's why, because there's the rules and people, you know, the pastor, whoever, the religious leader's better than everybody else. I mean, that's what's implied by it. And, and so what happens is for us to move from religion to faith, we have to open up our heart to God. We have to open up our heart to God because only by allowing God's love to come into our lives will we ever be able to embrace faith. Let me say it again. You cannot embrace faith if there is no love in your heart. It's not going to happen. Those things work together. All right. Today we're going to talk about how faith frees us from religion. And we're going to talk more about faith. We've talked about love. We're going to hit on love too. How faith frees us from religion. How we can be free. Two simple ideas. Let me just, in case you weren't here the last couple of weeks, let me just set it up one more time. Religion and faith are apples and oranges. They are not the same thing the way we use them in English today. Maybe a hundred, couple hundred years ago, they were similar in meaning, but today they are not. Religion and faith are apples and oranges. Religion, we define as a system for people to interact with a god or gods or whatever flying spaghetti monster. So a religion can be Scientology, can be a religion, but not in France, Germany, and several other European countries who have called it a fraud as probably it is, of course. But um, in the U.S., you know, we're all get along, so we, and Tom Cruise is so rich, so we let it be a religion here. So Scientology is a religion. Islam is a religion. Jehovah's Witness is a religion. Atheism, as I've been arguing, is a religion, right? Atheism is a religion. It's a religion of what? Again, it's God, you don't exist, blah, blah, blah. Don't talk to me. I can't hear you, God. I know you're not there. It's a childish religion, but it is a religion nonetheless. Skepticism, nihilism, anarchism, those all also are religions as well because they have a, an idea. They make a statement about who God is or who God isn't. Christianity is a religion. Why is Christianity a religion? Well, because for some people, it's a system by which they want to know God. 
So they say that they're a Christian. They come to church. They give money. They try to get a title for themselves so that when they get to heaven, they say, well, I was an elder in my church, right? But Christianity is a religion because it has religious, it has a system. But unfortunately, we don't want to be in the religion of Christianity, realistically. We don't want to be in the religion of Christianity. Obviously, we want to be followers of Jesus. Okay, that's just so I'm very, very clear. But we have to be careful and I want to be very clear so no one misunderstands me. When Jesus walked the earth, there were a lot of people who were in what we now call today the Jewish religion, although those titles are misleading at times, but, but who were in the Jewish religion who were supposed to be the people of God, and they had no love of God. They, they were not with God. They, they, they were not in his faith. They were just in the religion. And it's the same way. There's going to be plenty of people who we see on TV all the time, who are on the radio, who are in the Christian religion, but when we get to heaven, they're not going to be there because they had no relationship with God and they have no love. And how do we know they have no love, and no relationship with God? Let's look at their comfort. Let's look at their wealth. Let's look at how many rules they make up for other people. We can identify a bad religion in their lives. Now, faith is an internal decision or conviction. Faith is one of those things that we believe, we trust. It comes from the gut. It's not just an emotional feeling. It's a conviction Faith can be a conviction of the fact that God is real, that God sent his son Jesus, that's faith. But you know what also faith is that we knew the Giants were going to win the World Series. We can say that's, you know, faith too. Obviously, Giants win the World Series, our belief in them doing that was not what we call saving faith in the church. It doesn't relate to salvation. But yet we have faith in things all the time. We need to have faith in Jesus, have faith in the Messiah, the one who came that was promised by God from the very beginning of human society, very beginning of time. God promised Genesis 3 that Jesus would come and be our Savior, be our Redeemer, and that's who we put our faith in. Did Moses have faith in Jesus? Did Abraham have faith in Jesus? Absolutely they did. If you read the Bible, you'll know that the Messiah was the one that everyone was looking for. Everyone was looking for. The Messiah was the one that everyone was looking for. And so it doesn't matter whether you're Abraham or us today. We have faith in God because he was going and has sent the Messiah into our world. All right. So here's the thing. Warning, we want to remember that you can't have a black and white approach. Again, you, everybody has some religious elements in our lives. It doesn't matter how good of a Christian you are, there's still going to be some religion that creeps in. What we want to do is make sure our religion, though, uh, well, let me say it this way, we want to make sure our faith is in front of our religion. Because when people meet our religion in our world, they're turned off by it. When we go and share our faith with someone that we know, a coworker, a friend, when our religion gets in front of our love and our faith, they don't want any part of it. Because then they think rules, regulations, church. But when our faith and our love is in the forefront, then they're intrigued and they're interested to know what it is that's different about us. All right, let's see what the Bible says. We're going to look in Galatians chapter 5, um, verses 1 through 6. If you want to open up your Bibles there to Galatians 5, it's going to be up on the Jumbotron. You can also look on your iPhone or your Droid to the version or whatever uh, Bible app that you have. Galatians chapter 5. I, I, I did the last three weeks, uh, the words of Jesus in Matthew, but this week I felt like I wanted to do, I was trying to stay really close to that. I did for three weeks, but I wanted to skip over here to what Paul says 
because I feel like that what Paul is, is saying here is really, really important to this issue. And so I want to develop it. Plus, Galatians is really popular. You know, I can't chew bubble gum and walk at the same time. And sometimes I can't talk and open my Bible at the same time either. Galatians 5, I got it right here, but I can't open the page and talk. There we go. Okay, got it. Galatians 5, 1 through 6. Galatians 5, 1 through 6. Let's look at it here um, this morning quickly. So Galatians 5, 1 through 6. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now here's the thing. This is what I'm trying to tell you this morning. There are going to be people in our very own church who became believers in Jesus and who just simply got tied up in the law again, tied up in religion again, because they're concerned about things that are not the things of the kingdom. They're concerned about proper this and and whatever that. They're concerned about maintaining their pew spot. They're concerned, about, they're concerned about the rules of the church. They're concerned about their titles in the church. They're concerned about these kind of things, and that leads a person to become what? To become hard-hearted. And becoming hard-hearted leads a person to do what? To embrace bad religion. So we must keep our hearts soft and ready for the Lord. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Let me just go on and we'll explain it. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly await to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Now, let's break this down because there's a lot of ideas here. We're just going to hit on a couple of the highlights, but we want to understand what Paul is saying in its relation to us. All right, two things. First of all, and you can follow along in your handouts, in your bulletin, if you'd like to fill in the blanks. But the first one is this. The life of religion is never finished. The life of religion is never finished. This is one of the problems because the people here, as we see, the people here that, that Paul was dealing with, they had trusted in Christ. He was writing to the church in Galatia. These people were believers. They had trusted in Christ. They had believed in Christ. But then what did they want to do? They wanted to go back and make sure that the new converts who came into the church were circumcised. They wanted to circumcise the men. Why did they want to circumcise the men? Why did they want to circumcise the men? Okay, good. It was because it was part of the Jewish laws. It was considered to be part of the Jewish law. And by the way, originally the idea that God created for circumcision was was an important thing. I mean, it was something that the Jewish people were supposed to do. It's something that the people of God were supposed to do. But the point of circumcision was what? It wasn't to mean that if you weren't circumcised, you could not believe in the Messiah. That's not what it was for. But what it was for is to demonstrate the people of God, um, the ones that were born into the people of God, that they were the people of God. The thing is, is that like with anything else, there are some aspects of religion that is good, but can be corrupted over time. Like, let me give you an example. Um, We practice baptism. 
and baptism can be a good thing. We want people to get baptized. And if somebody is baptized maybe when they're really young and they never made a real confession of faith, then we would uh, baptize them again. But there are people I know, because <laughs> they're related to me, who have been baptized many times. It seems like every couple of years they go through this cycle where they sin and they have a, a breakdown in uh, their walk with God. And so they come back to church and they get what? They get baptized again. Do they need to get baptized again? No, not if they were believers. They don't need to get baptized again. But, you know, baptisms make for more people to come to church, which makes for more money to be put in the offering plate. So let's baptize as many people as we can. Okay? Hey, let's baptize all of you next Sunday, man. We'll have the church will be full. There's lots of money. We get all the kind of bad religion out of that, right? That'd be great. Now, I'm being a little bit facetious, but, but not, really, not really that much. Circumcision is the same way. Circumcision was the sign of the covenant. And if you were born into the people of God, then yeah, go ahead and circumcise the baby. But when we talk about becoming a believer in Christ, circumcision does not make someone a believer. Just as eating the right foods doesn't make someone a believer. Just as even going to temple, synagogue, or even church makes someone a believer. This is like, you could argue, going to church even among that. We can make people go to church, but it will not make that person a believer in Jesus. So you can circumcise people all day long, but it will not make them followers of God. And this is the thing that Paul was trying to say. He wasn't against circumcision. That's not what he was against. What he was against is forcing people to be circumcised as if circumcision would somehow bring them a benefit. Because the Jewish law, really the Jewish tradition at that time, was being misused and misrepresented, and it was um, dishonest in its approach. Now, here's the thing. By the way, <laughs> let me just say this if we're not clear. I would think adult circumcision, we talked about this two weeks ago, is not much fun, okay? So if God really required it, by all means, we would do it, uh, I suppose. But, uh, you know, I'm sure there were a lot of people who were like, wait a minute, I, I want to believe in this Jesus guy, but I got to do that? <laughs> hey, how different is that from our friends? You know, our friends say, hey, I'd like to believe in this Jesus guy, but you're telling me that I have to wear this when I go to church? I have to act this way? I have to do this for the church? You're saying that the church is, go okay, here's one practice that churches do that I think is um, maybe not the wisest thing. Um, some churches will mail their people. They'll find. They'll get the salary from everybody that they know. Mail them the the get the. Okay, let me start again. The church will ask everyone for their salary. Okay, Dennis. Let's say you make fifteen thousand dollars a year. That's your salary, right? Okay, so you'll tell me that you make fifteen thousand dollars. Then the church will send you an envelope with your tithe, suggested tithe, based on whatever they know your salary to be, and it's already filled in and everything. You just have to write the check. I find that a little bit um, like adult circumcision, right? <laughs> because what, that's not the point of the church. The point of the church is to teach people to have a heart that loves God, that will desire to give out of the freedom that comes from knowing God and his blessing for you. And, and so what happens is, is that this is the same thing that was going on, that, that there were people in Galatia who had embraced Christ, but were doing what? They had good doctrine, but they were slipping back into the old tradition, and they were trying to enforce that tradition on people as if it were religion. A lot of the fights that occur in churches over the centuries have been just examples of bad religion, even in good churches. 
You know, churches will fight about what? What kind of music we do, how we build things, how we do ties, how we do, you know, teaching this, who are we allow to be in leadership, right? And all these things that people fight over is just examples of bad religion creeping into what God wants to be a peaceful and harmonious discussion about how do we reach people for Christ and disciple those people whom we've reached. So the life of religion, though, is never finished. Now, let me bring this up a little bit. At the heart of religion is the hope of doing the right work, because that's where it stands. I mean, I can only hope that if I'm circumcised, that I will be more right with God than I was before. But that's the problem. How can one be more right with God when God says all you need to do as a totally free gift is to believe in my son and commit to him fully, how much more can you get? But you know what? If you've been baptized five times, you're four or five times more righteous than the next person, right? Hey, Dennis, if you have, I'll pick on him this morning. Since he has a title, he doesn't really have a title, but let's assume he had a title from his name. If he had a title from his name, that makes him more religious. That makes him more right with God, right? Hey, you're higher up on the totem pole than some people here, right? That's what happens. And it's easy because of the world we live in, because the world is doggy dog and we all fight and we all scrap after the same jobs and the same money and the same worldly desires, that we, we, we have a tendency to do that in church as well. We say, hey, I'd like to be better than the person beside me. I'd like to be more religious than them. And I want to beat them, if you're a guy, I want to beat them in football, and I want to make more money than them, and I want a more attractive wife than them, and this is the the whole neighbor thing. But yet, as followers of Jesus, we talked about this uh, about a month ago, who are the ones that we want to lift up in our church? The least people. We don't want to put ourselves up. What do we want to do? We want to serve other people. We want to love other people. But at the heart of religion is the hope of doing the right work. The guys and gals in Galatia, they were, they were really concerned that they weren't doing the right work. They were really concerned that, you know what, I got to be circumcised or otherwise uh, I, I, may not, I may be second class with God. But how can you be second class when the promise of God is that you will be the very own son or daughter of God adopted into his family? Not born into his family, but adopted into his family with all the rights of being an heir of him. Well, they say in all the legalese, all the rights pertaining to and thereof or whatever in the fine print of those ads. Every right pertaining to being an heir, adopted son or daughter of God. So at the heart of religion is the hope of doing right work. I mean, this is what it is. Religion is like you as the mouse or the rat in the maze trying to scurry around and get to the next place. I've been circumcised. Have you, have you been circumcised? Oh, boy, you haven't. Oh, boy, you know I'm better than you. Okay, I got one on them. Now, I'm circumcised. I've been baptized a bunch of times. What else do I need to do? I need a title. Okay, check. Got that. Um, what else do I need to do? Hey, I need to have a building named after me. That's what I need to do. That would be really impressive, right? I mean, you know, if we had the Douglas Estes Hall of whatever, you know, at whatever church or whatever seminary, hey, that would be really good. How about the Douglas Estes Chair of Biblical Interpretation at Southern Seminary? What do you think about that? That would sound really good. I mean, I might get some real big brownie points with God there. Yes, sirree, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Now, I don't want to 
say that all you know those things are necessarily bad but that's what religion does religion turns uh everyone into a mouse trying to make through the maze and it just never seems to you know there's never in it's never ending because you just cannot get enough titles you cannot get enough special spiritual gold stars on your resume you you could just never really get to the end of bad religion Because, and by the way, we should beware of this, religion is an insatiable machine, isn't it? When we think about bad religion, it is pretty much insatiable. You can never, you can never make religion happy. Religion, we don't really have many kids in here this morning, so I guess I can say this. Religion is like a cruel mistress who you will never make happy. You know why? Let's use some examples here. Let's use money as an example, okay? Because let's say that we're bad religion, and I, I drive a Volkswagen, but like the guy that Steve Martin made fun of a couple weeks ago, I want to drive a Jaguar. That's what I want to drive. I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm the religious leader, and I deserve to drive the best car in the world. Because, hey, I'm one of God's chosen people, so the best thing for God is the best thing for me, right? I mean, right? Right? I mean, I deserve the best, right? What is it? What do they say? I don't even know. What do they say? It's like, um, what is it? I had the phrase in my mind. You know, oh, if I'm one of God, if, if I'm the child of the king, then only the king's riches is good enough for me, right? So I need a Jaguar, okay? So I want all of you guys to give an extra tie so I can have a Jaguar. Is that okay with you? Yeah, okay, come on. It's okay with you. Go ahead. Say, say yes. You guys are like, you try to trick me. Come on, don't try to trick me. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. All right, you guys, everybody here, everybody gives an extra $500 this month to the church offering. All right, everybody does it. Come on, you're going to do it. Everybody does it. Everybody gives an extra 500 bucks, church offering, and I buy myself a Jaguar. At that point in time, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm satisfied. I don't need any more, right? No. Hey, have you ever seen an example of bad religion ever stop bugging you for money ever? All the time. That's right. Because there is no end to it. There is no end to it. You know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that that one of the guys in our church, they left uh, the church of bad religion, a church of bad religion, 20 years ago, and they still send them offering envelopes every week trying to get money from them, right? Because you, you can never do it. Hey, you know why we, as Protestants, we left Roman Catholicism in the Middle Ages? Why? Because they were, they were basically, so we talked about this a few months ago, because they were basically saying that, you know, we need more money, and so we're going to make up this idea of purgatory, and we're going to basically tell you that your old family members are trapped in purgatory, and if you don't give money so we can build more buildings and have more power, then what's going to happen is they're going to suffer in purgatory, so you better give some more money. But here's the problem. Did those people ever escape purgatory? No, because they just kept coming back and coming back and coming back saying, we almost got them out of purgatory, but we need just another 50 gold coins more to get them out of purgatory for good, and you'll never hear from me again. But of course, that's not the way it is. You know, bad religion never is satisfied because it doesn't satisfy it doesn't satisfy and it doesn't put us right with God. It just 
is us being the rat, going around in the maze, running the wheel. That's all bad religion does. Just keeps us trapped in it. You give and you give and you do and you do and you got titles and after title after title and you work your way up. You work your way up and at the end of the day, what do you have to show for it? Titles, loss of money, or maybe you made it all the way to the top. You have money and you have lots of money because you're the one taking the money at that point. But that's where it leads. It's never satisfied. Religion doesn't ever actually reach its goal. Isn't that what's sad? I mean, religions all purport to bring a person closer to God. (sighs) You know, we could build a spaceship that we would argue brings us closer to some other galaxy. Some of you guys know anything about space. If we build a spaceship right now to send us to another galaxy, how long would it take for that spaceship to get there? Millions of years. That's right. It's not going to go there tomorrow. In fact, you go far enough and all of life as you know it will will be completely gone. And and that's the same way with religion. Religion looks like it's close. You know, I can see those stars. I could imagine me flying my spaceship out to those stars. I could see it, right? I mean, I could see it standing from my back. Well, not in San Jose. If we get outside of San Jose, you can see it from the back porch. You can see the stars. They look like you can touch them, but they're so far away that we would never be able to reach them. Never be able to reach them. Not any time, any time anybody can ever imagine. And by the way, religion is the same way. Because religion makes it seem like if we do this, give this, get this gold star in our lives, that we will be closer to God. But the reality is is that God is so far away in the systems of religion that we would never be able to reach Him with any of the religions that there is. That's why Paul says here, listen... He says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision or any other religious ritual to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every single rule in the whole law of Moses. You've got to be perfect. You've got to do every single thing right. And yet no one can do that. It is unattainable. It is unreachable. It is like the stars. We cannot reach them even though they seem really close. Religion may make God seem close, but it is an illusion. Because the only way to bridge the gap between God and man is to take the road that he set forth, which is his son, Christ Jesus. Not to build a bridge of our own making. So real quickly here, the life of of faith frees you to live. The life of faith frees you to live. And, And this is the cool thing. I mean, I love this passage because so Christ has truly set us free that we have been free from religion, we don't have to wander around in the cage anymore. We don't have to be so limited and so wasting so much time climbing the wheel of religion, going through the maze of religion, that we can get to right where God wants us to be. Our faith brings the promise of religion right now. I mean, that's the promise of religion, from Scientology to atheism to Christianity. They're all very different in what they, what they teach, but the whole idea is, is if you follow this religion, everything in your life will be okay. 
It'll be okay because if you're an atheist, you know there is no God, so you're just going to be worm food, so you just might as well accept it now. If you're Scientology, you're going to get the Thetans in out of you. I don't know which one it is. Tom Cruise is going to possess you. You're going to be awesome. Things are going to be great. If you're a Christian, you're going to get the right titles. You're going to get big churches. You're going to have lots of money. You're going to be elder. You're going to be baptized. All those things, those things are religion. And the promise of those religions is that you will eventually be right with God. But the ironic thing is, the funny thing is, is that faith brings the promise of God to you right now. That when a person commits their life to Jesus, that everything that God, the, the end of the road is already there. You already have it. Now, you still got to be faithful for the rest of your life. You still got to live for Jesus. None of this lukewarm Christianity baloney that passes for religion in our churches. But, the, but the, 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 the end result, the goal, the million years, the, the million light years to get to the next planet that religion tries to make you do, you receive right then and there when you trust in Christ. You get it. You got it. You're there. Our faith brings the promise of religion right now. Paul says this. He says, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised to us. In other words, what happens is, is that our faith allows the righteousness to come, start coming in our lives at that point, And then we know that the rest of it's going to come because we don't have to worry about spaceships. We don't have to worry about any of that stuff. We don't have to worry about rules. We don't have to worry about religion. We're just simply trusting in Christ to bring it into our lives. And because of the promises of God that we know that that's true. Our faith brings the promise of religion right now. Let me just ask this. What is the goal of religion? And yet, what religion can never accomplish, faith does without even breaking a sweat. Do you notice that? People are going to spend their entire lives being religious. For what? You know, I have to say, I agree. Have you ever met some crusty, curmudgeony old person who says, I don't believe in that religious stuff. They ain't getting one dime from me. I'm not going to blah, 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 right? I have to agree with them in one part because they're right. Why spend your whole life in the religious wheel, in the religious maze looking for the cheese? That's not what God wants you to do. That's not what the Bible says to do at all. And yet there's going to be plenty of people who do that which is why the Bible says that Jesus said that there'll be people who come to God when they pass from this world and want to get into heaven, and God's going to say, I don't know you. And they're going to say, Lord, didn't I do all this stuff in your name? I built a church in my name. Your name, really, though, it was my name on it, but it was your name. Sure, I had a title, but your title was bigger than mine. What is the goal of religion? Somehow it's to bring you closer to God. But what religion can never accomplish, bringing you closer to God, faith does without even breaking a sweat. Just simply knowing God. You get the cheese right away. Hey, if you're like type A like me, I know I like to get the cheese immediately, right? That's good. That's what I want. And so I don't want to, I don't want to waste time. You know, that's why, I mean, this, I mean, it's not the only reason why I became a Christian, but when I started reading the Bible when I was in high school for myself, and I'd read the Bible and I realized that, you know, that the whole thing of religiosity doesn't work, that you just have to know God. That's when it really came apparent to me that you can have it all now. 
when, when, when the people on TV, the religious leaders say you can have it all now, they're talking about money and success and fame and fortune. But that's not what the Bible promises you. What they're saying is the Bible says, what the Bible's saying, let me put a clear differentiation there. What the Bible's saying is that you can have the righteousness of God and the peace that he brings through it, the love that he offers right now. The riches and stuff, you'll get those when you are in heaven. But now you get the thing that religion cannot ever seem to get a hold of. Religion can make someone wealthy, you know? I mean, I could just pitch softballs every Sunday. Our church would fill up. I'd have plenty of money coming in. I could have my Jaguar. Oh, believe me, I could. But you know what? I would be trading the riches that God has for me in heaven for riches here on earth. And I would never find the peace and love that God is speaking about. So whenever, whatever religion we have, it becomes second to Jesus. And this is where the rubber meets the road for all of us. Because it doesn't matter who you are. Every single one of us is susceptible to bad religion. Let me say it again. I don't care. And I know this is an issue for some of you. Because some of you are going to sit in your seats and you're going to be like, oh, I'm not susceptible to this. I didn't grow up in this group. I didn't have this. Every single person in this room, including myself, is susceptible to bad religion. The moment we allow our hearts to become hard in even a little tiny way, which we all do because it's all struggle for all of us, the moment we're willing to begin the road towards embracing bad religion. And once we get on that road, bad religion makes us feel comfortable. Bad religion gives us power. Bad religion says, hey, this is the way it's going to be. You're going to talk this way, look this way, act this way if you're going to come to my church. You're going to do this, you're going to do that if you come to my church. Because bad religion is about power. Bad religion is about the status quo. Bad religion is not about loving other people into the kingdom. Bad religion is easy. Faith is hard. Don't leave here thinking that these are equal because they are not. Bad religion is very easy. Why? Because it's like the world. And we're, we're born in the world. We're raised in the world. We've lived in the world. We're comfortable with the world. But the things of God is very different than the world. And for us to have the things of God in our lives, it takes a sea change in our lives, and it's something that takes a long time. I mean, just understanding how much God loves us is something that you just don't go, oh, yeah, okay, I got it. But it takes years and years to really grasp in the same way. Bad religion can creep in at any point because it feels normal. Bad religion, like sin, like selfishness, like doing our own thing, it feels right in our flesh, in our heart. But only the things of God make us realize it is not right. So here's my prayer for all of you in the challenge. Examine your lives. Make sure that there is no bad religion in your life. And secondly, if you've got family members who have bad religion in their lives, do not let your religion lead because the trappings of your religion, as we talked about last week, are going to do what with your family members? Power struggle with their bad religion. You've got to leave with love and you've got to lead with faith. If not, your chance of success of winning them to Christ is going to be very, and getting them out of bad religion, which would be awesome, is not likely to happen. Let's pray.